Hello friend, I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast, season three. For the first 90 days of the season, you can listen to a second weekly podcast. We will be discussing the Book of Mormon. If you aren't aware of the Book of Mormon study group that we have, check out the show notes or my website, todayiamenough.com, and you can sign up. It's never too late. We are reading the Book of Mormon from January 1st to March 31st. Each week, I will share some of my thoughts on our weekly reading and what I take away from those few chapters. I'm so grateful you're here today. We are reading the title page through 1 Nephi 13. I think it's important to remember that the title page introduction and the witnesses are all a part of the Book of Mormon. I think we often skip over them, but they are some of my favorite parts to read. There's so much truth in them. There's so much value in them. And I think it's a great way for us to better understand why we need the Book of Mormon and why it's important, how it came to be, and really its history. I have, if you're watching on YouTube, I have all this marking that I've done, and I just find that there's so much insight. I I love it. I love reading the testimony of Joseph Smith and his experience. We're not going to go into that today because there's some other things that I really want to talk about. So make sure you didn't skip those chapters, those sections, because they are so good. The only thing I do want to point out is something that I really, really love. There's three witnesses, and then there's eight witnesses, and then there's Joseph Smith's testimony and witness. There are eight witnesses... <laughs> There are 12 witnesses to the Book of Mormon, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's beautiful, and I love it. Okay, we are going to jump to 1 Nephi 3, 3 and 4. This is one of my favorite stories in the entire Book of Mormon. I think we all have those stories that are just so relatable to us, and we end up adopting as our own. And this is one of mine, one of my top three stories is when Nephi and his brothers go to get the brass plates and we all know how it goes down. Lehi has this uh, vision. Is it a vision? A dream. He has a dream that the boys need to go back to Jerusalem. And of course, Laman and Lemuel complain. And Nephi says his infamous scripture that he will go and do the things that the Lord commands. So let's talk about what happens when they get there though. So they they get there and they're like they go to the land and they consulted with one another and it says they cast lots who should go into the house of Laban and it fell on Laman so they he went Laman went in and talked to Laban in his house and he talked with him and he told Laban this Laban and Laman is always so tricky for me <laughs> Uh, Laban told Laban that he was there to get the brass plates that contained the genealogy of their fathers. And it says, and it, and behold, it came to pass. Laban was angry and thrust him out from his presence that he would not and should not have the records. So Laban like runs away and comes and tells them what happens. And it says in verse 14 of chapter three, and my brother were about to return unto my father in the wilderness. But behold, I said unto them, as the Lord liveth and as we live, we are we will not go down 
unto our father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the things which the Lord hath commanded. Let us be faithful. So Nephi um, is seemingly the eternal optimist, right? <laughs> there are moments where he does share his struggle, but he was faithful and he, he knew that if the Lord had asked him to do it, that they could do it. And so they decided that they would go gather their gold and their silver and all those things that they left in their home. And so they went to their house and they got all of those things and they took them to Laban. And it says, and it came to pass that we went into Laban unto Laban and desired him that we should give unto us the records, which were engraven upon the plates of brass for which we would give him our gold and our silver and our other things. And it came to pass that when Laban saw our property, that it was exceedingly great. He lust after it insomuch that he thrust us out and sent his servants to slay us that he might obtain our property. So they fled from the servants of Laban and left their property. And of course, Laban took it. So they're feeling pretty frustrated. And this is where they go into a cave and they hide themselves. And then Laban is really mad. And Laban likes, let's see, Laban was mad, like I said, but Lemuel likes to follow Laban. And they decided that they could just start beating Nephi with a rod. And then an angel of the Lord comes and he says unto them, why are you hitting your brother? Uh, don't you know that the Lord has chosen him to be a ruler over you because of your iniquities? Go back to Jerusalem and the Lord will deliver Laban into thy hands. Uh, and then... <laughs> It's important to remember that just seeing an angel is doesn't mean anything. It actually doesn't mean anything because that was verse 29 and there's 30 and 31. So in 31, Lemuel again begins to murmur. How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban into our hands? They're mighty men and he commands 50. Yeah, he could slay, even slay 50. Then why not us? And Nephi is like, Behold, he's mightier than all the earth, and why not mightier than Laban? So even after seeing an angel, Nephi is reminding his brother of the greatness of God. So then we get to verse uh, 5, and he talks about by night, they were still trying to decide. They were still hiding themselves, and they had gone down, and Nephi crept into the city and went forth towards the house of Laban. This verse is probably one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. And I was led by the spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Nevertheless, I went forth. It's so courageous when we just step into the dark and do something we've been asked to do, having no idea how to do it. And I feel like our family has gotten to experience that this year as we moved to North Carolina really not really knowing why we left Utah. We just felt prompted to move and specifically to move where we are, even to this house that we live in. And it's really scary sometimes to do that. I still have no idea why, still not knowing beforehand or during. <laughs> but I love this and I feel like it's really relatable. It doesn't have to be a cross-country move, but just things in our everyday life. Sometimes we feel prompted to go to a neighbor's house or to text a friend or to just check in with someone or even with our husbands or our kids or something. And I think it's important to follow this. Like 
if you're led by the spirit, even if you don't understand, it's important that you go forward with it. So this is where we see a little bit of um, Nephi's imperfection. I, I think, I feel like Nephi is really relatable in the next few verses. So he goes and then he finds a man laying on the ground drunken and finds out that it's Laban. And first he has to check out the sword, which I think is hilarious, but he looks at the sword and um, he says in verse 10 of chapter four, this is his first prompting. And it came to pass that I was constrained by the spirit that I should kill Laban. But I said in my heart, never any time have I shed the blood of a man. And I shrunk that I might not slay him. I don't think often, if like hardly ever, the spirit will constrain anyone to kill another man, right? It even says later in the Book of Mormon that like we're not going to feel prompted to go contrary to what the commandments are. And I immediately thought of this story and it explains we need to continue. In verse 11, and the spirit said unto me again, so a second time, behold, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. And I knew that he had sought to take away mine own life, yea, and he would not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord. And he had also taken away our property. So he sought to kill Nephi and his brothers. He would not give the plates like the Lord had commanded, and he had stolen property. And it came to pass that the Spirit said it unto me again. So a third time, Nephi's still kind of like on the fence about this, understandably. And the Spirit said unto me again, Slay him, for the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Okay, so then the spirit goes on. And the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. So it was really, these plates were essential for an entire nation, right? They they were so important for the work of the Lord to continue that the slaying of one wicked man was worth it. Basically. <laughs> I love the next couple of verses. We're going to keep reading verse 14. And now when I Nephi had heard these words, I remembered the words of the Lord, which he spake unto me in the wilderness saying that in as much as I see shall keep my commandments, they shall prosper in the land of promise. And I thought that they could not keep the commandments of the Lord according to the law of Moses. And I knew that the law was engraven upon the plates of brass. So they couldn't even know the law because they didn't have it. It was on the brass plates. And so in order to teach future generations the law, they had to get these brass plates. In verse 17, he says, And again, I knew that the Lord had delivered Laban into my hands for this cause, that I might obtain the records according to his commandments. Therefore, I did obey the voice of the spirit. And then he kills Laban. The spirit had to prompt Nephi three times. He had to tell him three times that he needed to kill Laban. And then I love verse 14. I remembered the words of the Lord. He remembered personal revelation that he had received. When we make an effort to strive to have the spirit with us always, it can bring back to our remembrance other times the spirit has taught us or things that we have read. When we read the Book of Mormon and we know what is in these pages and in these chapters and in this book, 
that is when we are talking or testifying. The Lord can bring to remembrance the things that are in here and we can testify of them. But if we don't read them and we don't strive to study them, he can't bring the words to remembrance if we don't know them. It's going to be really hard to flood the earth with the Book of Mormon if we don't know what's in these pages. But we can testify and we can share the gospel just like Nephi wanted to do with the brass plates if we understand what's in them. So I love that story. I think it's an incredible story of faith. And it's so important to remember that sometimes we just have to walk forward when the spirit tells us to, even if we don't know where that leads or what it's going to look like, because your personal Laban will be delivered to you at some point. Okay, we're going to skip now to chapter seven. This is when they go back. So they've gone home and um, Sariah is super grateful. She was a little questionable on whether her husband really should have sent the boys and was really grateful. And then Lehi receives another dream that he needs to send the boys back to Jerusalem to get Ishmael and his family. And they get there and the hearts of Ishmael's family are softened and they go. And the wilderness is hard. I can't even imagine what this whole situation would have been like, but uh, so they went with him and as they were going, there was some righteous children of Ishmael and some, um, of Ishmael's children that got along really well with Laman and Lemuel. And they were complaining and Nephi was trying to be encouraging and say, it's going to be okay. Like we just have to have faith, exercise faith. And, um, we shall obtain a land of promise and all these things that the Lord has said will come to pass. And in verse 16 of chapter seven, it says, and it came to pass that I, Nephi, had spoken these words unto my brethren. They were angry with me. And it came to pass that they did lay their hands upon me and they were exceedingly wroth and didn't bind me with cords. And they sought to take away my life, but they decided to leave him in the wilderness to be devoured by wild beasts instead. So that's where, um, Nephi didn't have, everything wasn't like beautiful, rosy for him. The next two verses though, 17 and 18, we learn of Nephi's faith again. And it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord saying, O Lord, according to my faith, which is in thee, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Yea, even give me strength that I may burst these bands with which I am bound. So he has enough faith to just ask, like, burst these bounds because I need to get going. I need to be in the wilderness with my family. And then I love it because it, it says, and it came to pass when I said these words, behold, the bounds were loose from off my hands and feet. And I stood before my brethren and speak unto them again. Nephi's prayer was not answered in the way that he asked. And I love it because if he had burst those bands, he would have, if he'd been given the strength to burst those bands, we know that he was strong and it would have been easy for him to just be like, yeah, I burst those bands. It's pretty great. And he probably would have given credit to the Lord. However, I think it's more powerful that the bands were loosed, that the bands were just loosened enough that he could just get his hands out because, and his feet, uh, it shows the power of the Lord and that the Lord was with him and that the Lord did it. 
right? Instead of Nephi's strength that did it, the Lord did it. He just loosened them so that he could get out. And as he goes and talks to his brothers, of course, they are kind of um, surprised and they start worshiping him. (laughs) They soften their hearts and they like start to worship him. And he says, it came to pass that I did frankly forgive them for what they had done. I did exhort them that they would pray into the Lord, their God for forgiveness. And it came to pass that they did so. And after they were done praying into the Lord, did again travel on the journey. So two things we learned from Nephi in chapter seven, we need to not limit our faith and we need to not limit the Lord's willingness and his power because he has limitless power and limitless willingness. And we just need to not limit our faith in him to be able to be a limitless God. And it's also really important that we frankly forgive because our hearts were in charge of that. We get to be in charge of who we forgive. And that allows us to move forward with the things that the Lord really needs us to do. Okay, so we're going to jump to chapter nine. And this is just like a short little chapter. Uh, Nephi's talking about how he makes two sets of records. And they're both the points of Nephi. And one's a secular history. And one's sacred things. And I love that... uh, Sorry, I was just reading some footnotes. Uh, I love in verse five and six that the Lord has commanded him to make these place for a wise purpose in which purpose I know not. But the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth a way to accomplish his work among the children of men. For he hath all power unto the fulfilling of his words. I love these because we know Nephi's words are such a treasure to us because Lehi's words were lost. And the Lord, the Lord knew that way before Martin Harris came along, way before Joseph Smith came along, that Nephi's words were going to be essential in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the latter days. And again, we just see a a faithful prophet and a willingness to just do things even though he doesn't understand. Nevertheless, I went forth not understanding the things which I should do. He understood he needed to write, but he didn't necessarily know why he needed to write. Um, There's so much good in here is the tree of life. And we're actually not going to dive into the tree of life, but it is so wonderful. And I hope that you have taken time to study that and, um, and just understand and see the beauty in it. I love that Nephi gets to not only know about the tree of life, but about the life of Christ. And he gets to see so many beautiful things in that vision. I would like to talk about first Nephi chapter 13. Verse 37 says, and blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion at the day at that day, for they shall have the gift and power of the Holy Ghost. And if they endure unto the end, they shall be lifted up at the last day and shall be saved in the everlasting kingdom of the Lamb. And whoso shall publish peace, yea, tidings of great joy, how beautiful upon the mountains shall they be. 
I love this so much right now because President Nelson, his whole, I feel like each prophet kind of has like the thing they're known for. President Nelson probably has like 20, but he tells us over and over and over again that we are gathering Israel, that that is why we are here. So in to the youth, he gave an address. I think it was in 2018, like right after he was prophet. I have a link in the notes. I'm just not exactly sure. Oh, right there, October 2018. And he invited the youth specifically to participate in the gathering of Israel. But as a whole church, we've been invited to do that as well. And he has said that the gathering is the most important thing on the earth today. Nothing compares in magnitude. Nothing compares in importance. Nothing compares in majesty. If you choose to participate, you can be part, a big part of it. You can be a big part of something big, something grand and something majestic. It means that everyone deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they decide if they want to hear it. That's what the gathering of Israel is. It's helping to spread the gospel throughout the earth. So that everyone has a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and that they will recognize that Jesus Christ is their savior and want to be with him and want to know him and want to make covenants and, and ordinances with him. So I will have that linked. But I love that Nephi says that blessed are they who shall seek to bring forth my Zion at that day, for they shall have the gift and power of the Holy Ghost. And I think it's easy for us as church members to say like, oh, everyone I associate with, everyone I know already has the gospel. But I think with uh, social media, it's not, well, first of all, it's not always talked about in our circles. And even within our church friends, we don't always have gospel discussions. And we have been asked several times by several different apostles to share our testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ on social media. Our reach can be far beyond our friends, but you also have to realize that you probably have a few friends that are not members, at least a few friends, and you have the opportunity to strengthen someone and bless someone and help bring the spirit to someone. So even if you are, just know everyone that's a member, happens in Utah a lot, um, your testimony can change someone's heart or touch someone. The gathering of Israel is not just for people that are not members of the church. As a mother, my job is to gather Israel in my home to help my six kids and my husband and I um, help each other to stay converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to stay faithful and to seek after those promises that we've been given because of the covenants and to help each other keep those covenants and to help our kids understand and keep their covenants and move forward on the covenant path. That is what the gathering of Israel is. It is not just testifying to everyone outside of your own home. It is absolutely testifying of the gospel of Jesus Christ within your home and helping those in your home be truly converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's also just testifying, testify of Jesus Christ and don't be scared. It's okay. Like there might be pushback from some people, but it's okay. I think it's something that we have to accept and be okay that not everyone likes us and isn't always going to like what we do, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's standing up for what we believe and sharing what we believe, I think is one of the most important things that we could do because that is one of the ways we gather Israel. 
I am so grateful you've been here today. I would love for you to comment if you're watching on YouTube. I would love for you to subscribe, but also comment one of your favorite sections of scripture that we read this week. Remember that if you are feeling like you're behind and that you can't keep up, go on the app and um, open your app and you can go listen to the scriptures at like double speed. If you click on the little icon, the listen icon, and then there's like three lines and then you can change the speed that you listen at. I love to listen at 1.5. I really struggle at one, but two is a little too fast when I'm really trying to study and understand. So my suggestion is to listen at one between one and 1.5, whatever you're comfortable with and uh, catch up that way. Listen while you're doing dishes or listen for a few minutes while you're folding laundry. And it doesn't have to be that you're sitting down reading, marking everything. And if you do that, that's fantastic too. Just read the scriptures. That's all That's all this Book of Mormon study is, is to help encourage you to listen and read the scriptures and be reminded of the goodness that is in them. So thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week.